So, amen. That was good this morning, wasn't it? I mean, the Holy Spirit was trying to saturate us there to get us in a place to receive. And some some people got words. Some people stole words, right? If was any word given that you wanted for yourself, raise your hand. They didn't, like, Come on, the rest of y'all didn't want a word? I mean, don't y'all want to all be seers? I mean, everybody should raise a hand on that one and, you know, go soar with the Lord. But, amen, the Lord's good, so um, I'm going to talk to you briefly. i got 35 minutes. I can easily do this in 35 minutes. Uh, so I'm sort of tired of the the hard times talk. Are y'all, y'all heard enough messages on that? Now, I'm done with that. I'm moving on. But the only way you can move on is God to reveal the front to you, what's in front of you. So, so I'm just sort of telling you I'm moving on now. It's time for me to move on. Uh, you know, uh, everybody is looking uh, for something in their life, right? Everybody's looking forward, really. And, uh, you know, like a young person's looking for uh, graduating from high school or graduating from college or getting married, uh, Many people are looking for a raise, or some people are looking for a job. I mean, you're looking for, everybody's looking forward for something. And we really want to encourage that kind of living because we don't want to live from yesterday, right? And I mean, that's kind of a crazy way to live, a bad way, really. It's not, not very spiritual. You do have a rear view mirror spiritually that you're supposed to glance back in in your life to see how God has moved in your life to make sure it helps you see how He is moving, right? And so, thank you for that yep, you know. Uh, so, but, right, you know, in the past, you know, few t- few weeks or months or however it works out in people's life, it's been sort of like on driving on a mountain road that had heavy fog on it. That's the way it's been, okay? And I don't know about you, but that's the way it's been in my life. And when you're in those kind of situations in the natural, you have to drive slow, right? Because you can't see very far ahead, and I remember one time years ago, we got caught in a whiteout, driving down the road in a whiteout, and uh, <laughs> that was an experience. This was up uh, off in the uh, lake effect snow off in Lake Erie, and it was terrible, man. I mean, literally, there was a tractor trailer in front of us, and it would disappear. Literally, it would be gone. You couldn't see it. I mean, it was still there, but it was like it just fell in a hole because the snow was so thick. But you couldn't stop because you didn't know what was behind you. It was like you was trapped. And uh, that's sort of the way I've felt at times uh, recently, but suddenly I'm starting to get out of that. So that's why I'm saying I'm moving on. Okay, and so I hope you can move on too, because it's time to move on. Uh, I want to read this out of Genesis 5. This is talking about moving on. Somebody said, Byron, I'm praying for the church that you would get back to normal. And I said, thank you for the, for the prayer, but it's not a good prayer because there's not a normal. I'm looking for that new normal. Okay, there's a new normal that God wants to give us, okay? What was is uh, was. We're coming into a new normal. Uh, and we're trying to really understand that new normal. But I want to talk to you this morning about... Uh, Somebody in the Bible that has uh, t- totally impacted my life, uh, and his name is Enoch. Okay, and I want to just tell you a little bit about this Enoch fella. Let me read first, introduce you to him, then I'll tell you some personal experiences I had with Enoch. Uh, Genesis five eighteen through twenty four. 
And believe me, all that there's a reason for what I'm telling you all this. this I'm gonna go. This is going somewhere. And in 32 minutes, you'll know. All right. Jared lived 162 years and begot Enoch. Just in case you know what begot means, he had a son named Enoch. After uh, he begot Enoch, Jared lived 800 years. He's an old guy and had some sons and daughters. So all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. So he lived a long time. Uh, Enoch lived 65 years. That wasn't very old. He was retirement age, right? And begot Methuselah. When everybody knows Methuselah was the oldest man who ever ever lived in all of history. And it didn't tell us how old he was. I forget right this moment, but he got really old. And, you know, and old Jared was pretty old at 900-something years old. So these guys, that was a long time. After uh, he begot Methuselah, Enoch, listen to this, walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. He walked with God 300 years. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. He didn't live that long, relatively speaking. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. He's one of the two people in the Bible who never yet, has not yet experienced death. I personally believe that he, and Elijah's the other one. Remember, Elijah got taken up into the heavens from the, you know, when he gave Elisha his uh, anointing. Uh, he got taken up in heaven in a whirlwind, not in the fiery chariot that many people believe he did because that is not what the Bible says. Although there's been beautiful pictures painted of Elijah going to heaven in a fiery chariot, and that's not even in the Bible. So we are kind of dumb when it comes to things occasionally. But it was a pretty picture I saw one time hanging in the church. <laughs> I thought, that can't be right. You know? um, but I guess my point about those two guys is, you know, in the last days there's going to be two witnesses. Remember the two witnesses that are going to stand in Jerusalem and prophesy for a year? I think those two witnesses are Enoch and Elijah, and they're going to get killed because the Bible says it's appointed for once for every man to die. So I'm figuring Jesus has said, I've got to fulfill my word in those two guys, so I'll bring them back and let them kill them. That's just my theology, and, you know. Anyways, well, I uh, first became introduced to uh, Enoch back in the early 80s. And the way I was introduced to him was I went through a terrible, terrible time in my life. I was a young believer. I've been a Christian for a few years, actually. Uh, and just, But I went through a pretty devastating time in my life where... We lost a child during that time, and it was just like, you know, I lost, uh, didn't have employment. Um, I was just a crush, very crushed person. It was probably the lowest place I'd ever been in my life. And, you know, to add insult to injury, everything I thought I knew about God, I found out I really didn't know God. I thought I knew things about God. I thought I knew knew God more than I did, but I realized in that low place that I really didn't have a relationship with the Lord like I thought I did. That was my great revelation is I don't really know the Lord. I thought I knew the Lord, but I don't know the Lord. So I made a decision in my life is I, I, I told the Lord, Lord, I'm going I'm to dedicate the rest of my life to, to, to one thing that's going to be more important to me than anything else, and that's really to know you, to really walk with you in my life, and to have a real relationship with you. And uh, so that was sort of, I didn't know about Enoch at the time, 
that it said that Enoch walked with God. But basically what I did at that moment was, was give myself to something, and, and the Lord took it seriously. And so that was over 30 years ago. I wish I could, and looking back in the last 30 years of my life, I wish I could say I've been real, real successful at this walking with God thing, but I don't necessarily think I have been as successful as I would like to have been. I still feel like that I'm like a, a, a baby spiritually. I feel like I don't know anything. Uh, and when I do start thinking I know stuff, I find out I don't, I don't really know. You know, it just sort of, you know, the more you know of God, the less you know. The more revelation you think you have, the less revelation you really have. You know, that's just the way it works, but it really is. And so um, I learned some things about Enoch, though. Uh, Enoch was, here's just some biblical facts. He was part of the seventh generation from Adam. In other words, there were seven generations of people, and he was in that from Adam. You know, like Adam was his great-great-granddaddy times seven, uh, grandfather times seven. Uh, actually, Enoch was born 622 years after Adam was created. 622 years. And Adam was actually alive when Enoch was born. Actually, Adam lived 305 years after Enoch was born. That's pretty impressive because cause the, the, the thought, that the imagination of my mind was this. I can imagine one day Jared saying, hey, we're going to see great, 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 great grandpa, okay? And we're going to go, and, and he's a unique guy because he was never born. He was created. And he was the guy who walked with God in the cool of the day. In fact, all these animals and all these trees, all these plants, he's the guy who named them. So I can imagine this little boy named Enoch just getting, just in wonderment of getting to go and see this, this, the, the father of all men, man, and sitting in his lap and asking him questions about what was it like to walk with God. What was it like to be with Him? What was it like to have that kind of relationship with Him? And I can imagine as Adam talked to Enoch and told him the stories of walking with God in the garden in the cool of the day and, and hearing the footsteps of the Lord and, and, and all the things that Adam experienced with the Lord. I can imagine Enoch getting a vision and a thought in his mind, a little thought in his mind that says, that's what I want to do with my life. Okay, that's what I want to do with my I want to walk with God. If Adam could walk with him, I can walk with him. So I can imagine Enoch deciding one day that he's going to walk with God, that he's making a decision in his life to walk with him. Uh, Enoch's name is interesting because it means to instruct or initiate. It also means dedicated, consecrated, and experienced. Dedicated, consecrated, and experienced. In other words, Enoch dedicated himself to something, and the Lord consecrated him to it, and he became into some, some very powerful experiences in his life. And so the first thing, you know, about Enoch that really is that Enoch walked with God all the days of his life. He walked with God steadily. Now, let's look at Hebrews 11. This is something Hebrews says about Enoch. You know, uh, in the New Testament, uh, Peter and these guys were out one day, and there's a, a beggar by the temple, beautiful, who was begging alms, and he was crippled, and he wanted to be healed, and, and 
blah, blah, and, and he was asking for, for money. He was a beggar. And Peter said something profound to him. He said, I don't have any silver and gold. Okay, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of the Lord. Get up and walk. And the man got up and walked. See, everything that you and I have uh, that's been given to us from heaven, that's what we truly have. Okay? In other words, that's what God has given us to give. It's, it's called impartation. And here's the goal. There's an impartation that God wants to give people this morning. Okay? About this walk with God. See, God wants to impart something to you. You know. So, Hebrews 11, 5 through 6 says, By faith, by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. He pleased God. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So... I think that's really uh, a key about faith uh, about Enoch is that he had this he had this belief he had this faith towards God that God was there that that he could have this walk with God that he could have this relationship with God and it really pleased God that he made that decision in his life to to do that with his life that that was his the goal of his life was to walk with him all right one more scripture it's in Jude uh, verse fourteen and fifteen. This, this is where now Enoch. This is where I got the seventh from. The seventh from Adam prophesied about these men. Now, he, so this is really important. Enoch uh, was, you know, given prophetic words also. Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are un- ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way, and all. And of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So, Enoch also wrote these, he wrote these books. There's three volumes, okay, called the Book of Enoch. How many people are familiar with the Book of Enoch? Raise your hand. They're kind of hard to read. If you're, <laughs> I don't re- re- recommend you go buy the books because they really are hard to read. We need to get Eugene Peterson to do a mess, you know, he did the message Bible to do a message version of the Book of Enoch. It would make it easier. But in these books, these books were uh, have, were very esteemed by by the the Jewish uh, leaders uh, before Christ and during Christ's time, and also by the early church leaders. These these books were highly esteemed by these these church leaders. They're not scripture, but they they esteem them. In fact, you see this prophecy that Jude wrote. Actually, he got that prophecy out of the book of Enoch. Okay, that was one of the many 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 revelations, dreams, and visions that Enoch shares in, in the books, okay? Uh, Enoch, there's a lot of stuff in there in those books. There's a lot of stuff in them, those books about angels. Uh, Enoch name, actually names a bunch of angels in there that's not named in the Bible, you know, because, because now listen to this. A lot of people want to have, this is really important, a lot of people are hungry for the supernatural. My God, you should be. In fact, I'm concerned about Christians who don't have a desire for spiritual experiences. 
I'm concerned about Christians who don't think about walking in the Spirit. I'm concerned about Christians who don't believe or, or don't go after dreams and visions. And the reason I'm concerned is because that's, you're, you're being carnal when you don't. You're not thinking right about your Christian life. You're not doing what the Bible says we should be doing. It's, okay? It's, and so... But here's the key, okay? Here's the key. Enoch, he came to the, all these, this, this revelation that he wrote down in the book of Enoch. He didn't come to that. He, this is how he came to that revelation. Enoch walked with God. Okay? You see, a lot of people want something. They want a gift. And there's nothing wrong with wanting a gift. But in the end, here's what we really want. We really want to walk with God. Because a walk with God over your lifetime is going to bring you into a place of revelation. It's going to bring you in a place of encounters. It's going to bring you in a place into the supernatural world. A person who says they walk with God, at some point the fruit of their life is going to be heavenly. At some point the fruit of their life is going to be vision. At some point is encounters in, you know, into the spiritual world and connecting with the spiritual world. At some point, I don't know what point, he did it for 300-and-something years, right? He walked with God for a long time. And who knows when all this stuff happened? I don't think we really know. But at some point in our life, uh, Enoch began to come into these encounters with the Lord. Okay? And see, that's really where every one of us should be headed right now. We should be headed to, towards encounters whether you have a seer gift or a prophetic gift, maybe none of those gifts. Maybe your gift is the gift of help, just to help somebody. But at some point, every person, every Christian should be headed right into supernatural encounters. Okay? If we're really walking with God. Okay? That's really, to me, the key in all of this. Is it's somewhere in your life you, you make a decision. It's, that's why his name meant experienced. Because he, he dedicated himself. The Lord consecrated it. And he began to have these experiences. Do you, do you see that order? Do you get that order? Do, do you? Because it's really important. I mean, you know, if you really want to receive an impartation from the Lord. because you. All right, so. Everybody all right? Okay. So this is what happened. I was uh, reading some stuff one day. And I ran across something from this Chinese prophet. Uh, Christina asked me what his name was, and it was like, you know, Jang something, Yang, Yangies, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, I did discover this. I thought when I went to Korea, I'd been to China once, and I went to Korea, and I was thinking the Korea and the Chinese are exactly the same language. Like, oh, y'all's cool, man. You should, I was talking to the guy, you should come with me, because he was a good uh, interpreter. You should come with me to China and help me do ministry over there. You can interpret for me. He says, I don't understand Chinese. I said, really? I mean, all, it, of course you do. You know. I mean, it's the same. Korean and Chinese is obviously the same. He said, there is no same. There's no. So, but when I was with the Koreans, you know, I went back to China after that, and then I was with the Koreans here a couple of weeks ago, and I thought, I'd be doggone. I can tell the difference. <laughs> There's a difference between Chinese and Korean. There really is. I mean, it sounds completely different. I don't understand a lot of it. It sounds all crazy to me. But you can tell there's a difference. And I actually looked at the Chinese writing versus Korean writing. There's a difference there. 
Yeah, I'll be darned. And let me tell you this. This is another thing about the Koreans. Koreans use chopsticks, but their chopsticks are not wood like Chinese chopsticks. Their chopsticks are metal. Do y'all know that? In fact, the best brain surgeons in the world come from Korea. And they, said the, and they figured out why. The reasons was, was the metal chopsticks train these little bitty muscles in their hands. And so they started training brain surgeons with metal chopsticks. Isn't that amazing? That's just a trivia fact. Yeah, yeah good to know. I mean, I'm still trying. I told them people in China, China I would, next time I came, I would learn, I would be doing chopsticks, and I'm not doing too good with that. So probably not going back. <laughs> Somebody was saying, you need to pick up peanuts with them. and I can't do it, honestly. <laughs> All right, anyway, this is what this Chinese prophet said. This is what the Lord told him in 2004, okay? This is what got my attention. The Lord told this guy in 2004, he, he said, in 2012, there's going to be a, it's going to be a major calamity in the earth. There's going to be a financial calamity in the earth, okay? And he told him... But this is not the big one. In other words, there's going to be another financial claim that's going to come where there will be a total collapse of the economy worldwide. But in two, this, is, this is not going to be in 2012. Okay? So I thought, wow, that's interesting. You know? And then, the, then so he said, this is what he said. He said, Lord, what do I do to prepare? This is in 2004. What do I do to prepare for this economic calamity? And the Lord told him this. You are to raise up an Enoch generation. You got that? You are to raise up an Enoch generation. A generation of people who walk with God. Well, let me just read his exact words. They will have a burning passion to pursue the bridal intimacy with Christ. These will become his beloved remnant saints that will flood the face of the earth with Christ-likeness. Now, that's what the Lord told this guy. Well, I guess that got, sort of got my attention because, one, you know, obviously his prophecy came true, what the Lord told him. 2012 has been a year of real financial calamity worldwide. And what he, the Lord spoke to him was for us how to prepare people for for worldwide calamity. You know, we could do a lot of things, and I'm not saying we shouldn't do all those other things, but I thought it was really the Lord. Here's how you prepare for calamity. Here's how you prepare for your future. Is you become an Enoch person. You become dedicated to walking with God. That's that's your only assurance. In fact, this guy said, when that you know, he said, when that worldwide collapse comes, you know what I'm gonna do? He said, I'm gonna go on a, I'm gonna go on the best vacation that money can buy. He said, Because I will not be affected by any of that. Now, this is another thing he said. He said, the Lord told him. He said, also, the year 2012 is going to be the year of the closet. The year of the closet. It's Matthew 6, 6. I wanted us to read that. Okay? The year of the closet. Matthew 6, 6. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door... Pray to your Father who is in secret, in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So, so he was saying, you know, 2012 is a year for, for the believers 
to have this intimacy with the Lord. That it's a year for you and I to be with Christ in, a, in the hidden place, in the secret place. And so what has happened in the natural? What, what's happened to people in the natural? Everything in the world has happened to keep you out of that place. Right? Everything in the world has come against... Because, see, the enemy is not a fool. If he sees that God is calling the church into the secret place, he's going to do everything in his power to keep you out of that place. He's going to consume you with the cares of this life, the desire for other things. And, see, we see Christians everywhere that are consumed right now. And their, their life is being consumed, and they're living out of this world, and this world is shook. And so they're shook. You see what I'm saying? And so, and, and, and God was trying to tell that, God was saying to this man, what you've got to tell the people is that here's your safety. Your safety is to get, is, is being with me, is to create that walk with me, to start walking, have that secret life with me. So you can walk through this earth as everything around you comes, starts coming to pieces. And because one day the big one's going to come, it's not going to just affect this person, that person, this company, that company. It's going to affect everybody. Everybody's going to lose their job. Everybody's going to lose their income. Everybody. Everybody. It will, the, world, the economies of the world will totally collapse. And what we're seeing now is God is trying to really get our attention. He's trying to say to us, this is how you're going to, you need to prepare for this. You need to prepare your life. Is you need to dedicate yourself to walking with me. And begin to walk with me. And begin to let me teach you about myself. And so God allows situations to come into our life. He brings heavy fog into our life to show us this is where you really are. Without me, you can't see an inch in front of your face. How are you going to make decisions about tomorrow? You can't even get through this moment. Are you all hearing what I'm saying to you? See, everything that's going on now, really God is saying, I want to use every bit of this for your good. I really want to help you with this. I really do want to get your attention. Because, you know, 2012 is not over. we got October, November, and December that we can grab hold to and say, you know what, Lord, maybe I spent the last nine months being distracted, discouraged, consumed, and ate up in my life. But i got three more months. I'm not, I, may have not, I may have not started well as far as letting this be the year of the closet, but I'm going to finish well. I'm going to get back to you, Lord. I'm going to find you again in a fresh way. I'm going to begin to have an intimacy with you in a real, you know, really powerful way. Uh, you know, there's this song, you know, last time we had the Friday night meeting, which you didn't pronounce. Pronounce. We pronounce Friday night. <laughs> the la you should come to that. It was really good. It was powerful last time. But uh, Elijah and Sally did the worship with Jacob. I'm not sure what they're what Jacob's doing this Friday, but that was really good. But uh, there's this song, uh, Misty Edwards. Uh, Y'all might remember the song, See the Way. Anybody remember See the Way? Well, they were singing that song. And here's one of the li li uh, lines in the song. It's, God is a lover looking for lovers, so he fashioned me. God is a lover looking for lovers, so he fashioned me. 
And when Sally was singing that song, it was like arrows going into my heart. You know, that, that's why every one of us in this room are created for. We're created to have that communion, that relationship, that secret life with God. It was, it was a powerful prophetic moment for me anyway. I, don't, I think for a lot of people. Uh, it was really like the voice of God speaking. This is your true calling. This is your true purpose on earth. And um, so, I mean, that's really where the walk with God begins. That's where everything begins and ends. It all begins and ends everything. You see, you know, we're pursuing things for the future. We're looking for what God has for us when He's saying, this is what I have for you. Uh, so I'm just saying this. This is what God, this is our future. This is our normal. Our normal is this. It's walking with God. That's really all He's asking from anybody. The normal is, look, there's a place to be with me. You know, and all the things that we pour our energies into. He's saying, you know what, you may be pouring your energy into something that may not be there six months from now. I'm not saying we should be irresponsible, lazy, and you know, all that. We should do all these things. But in our hearts, if our heart is not pointed towards our relationship with God, that communion with God, then all the other stuff doesn't really matter really in the end, does it? You know, it really doesn't. I mean, you can be very gifted and have lots of spiritual stuff from a gift perspective, you know, but, but not from a relationship perspective. And see, I believe ultimately, for me, the gifts, the, the, the heavenly encounters, the dreams, the visions, and revelations, in my life, they didn't come from a gift. They came from a relationship. That's, you know, that's how God did it with me. It's through a relationship, through walking with Him and an invitation from Him into His world to give me experiences in His world. And that's, that's what God has for all of us. Now, y'all have gotten awful quiet on me. You're sitting there looking at me like... Yeah. So I want to read this one other scripture. You know, this one's a good one from... from uh... So... You know, what I'm trying to encourage you is to have this relationship with the Lord. You know, and get back to, to, to being, you know, to receive the call to be an Enoch person. I, that's really what I'm saying to you. Would you, this is an invitation from God to say, listen, I'm inviting you. I'm inviting you to walk with me. I'm inviting you to make a decision in your heart. I will never forget the day I made that decision. I'll never forget, I could take you to the very spot I was driving down the road. And I was saying to God, Lord, Lord, I thought I knew you. I don't really know you. I have no clue about you. I don't understand any of what's happened in my life. I don't have an answer for any of it. And everything that I thought I believed, I question it now. But I do know this, Lord. I'm going to, the rest of my life, this is the number one thing. I want to walk with you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to really know you. I want that to be the thing for my life. So that's my decision. That's my choice in that moment. I made that decision. Okay? And that, was a, that, was a, that decision has totally marked my life from that point on. And when I have drifted from it, God has always, always come and got me. Always. I could drift off the road. And He would always go down the road. I drift off and say, wait, what are you doing? Where are you going? 
Don't you see where you're going is leading you to, to, to nowhere? Every time. Oh, I'm so sorry, Lord, I forgot. I forgot who I was. I forgot what I told you that day. You know, woo, thank you, Lord. You know, the, it's like the fog is breaking. Okay, the fog's breaking. And what I see is like being on a mountain and seeing this beautiful blue sky, bluer than anything on earth. It's breaking. You know, the fog's breaking. And God is beginning to open up His world and open up tomorrow to us again. This is what Hosea said. Sow for yourself righteousness. Reap in mercy. That's good, isn't it? Mercy is really important right now. I'm going to tell you that right now. We sang about that this morning. That's something God's really speaking about, mercy. You know, because everything God does, God does nothing new without releasing mercy first. Mercy always goes before God. Always. It's just all over the Bible. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. Fallow ground is, y'all know what that is, right? It's ground that's already been worked, that's set, and gotten hard again. In other words, the ground's been worked, the ground's been plowed, the ground's been worked on. It's good ground, but nothing was done with it. And it's crusted over. It's gotten hard again. And Hosea was encouraging me, like, break it up again. I mean, you know, break it up. Break up your fallow ground, for it's time to seek the Lord. And that's really a word from God for us. It's time to seek Him. Don't, not your ministry, not your job, not your retirement. retirement. You know, checking on your Social Security, making sure you're going to have enough to make it ten years from now. And there may not even be a Social Security ten years from now. That is futile. futile. It's futile. And people are doing that. People are consumed because they're so afraid of what's going to happen to them. And the Lord said, no, it's time to seek me. Me. Forget your plans. Forget your dreams. Seek me and all your plans and dreams will come to pass. That's really what he's telling us. Till he comes and rains righteousness on you. I mean, in other words, God's going to do some things. Righteousness, I'm, that's talking about his righteousness, obviously, not ours. And it's obviously talking about his rulership. I'm really trying to help you here this morning to receive something from the Lord, an impartation to dedicate yourself to walking with Him. You know, and if you've done, made that dedication, to get back to that. Like, Lord, I'm going to get back to you. I'm getting back to you. I'm getting back to you. You're the center of my life. I'm not the center. You're the center or whatever else is maybe taking center's place in my life today. I'm making a decision I'm going to get back to that Matthew 6, 6 life where I'm going to have something with you, Lord. One way or the other, I'm going to have something with you. And so, there's an impartation for that right now. Well, because one thing I can tell you this, I've been doing it for over 30 years, okay? I haven't done it well for over 30 years, but I have been doing it. So, I do have that going in my life. I'll be honest with you, I'm not lying to you. I really do have that going in my life. And I do drift off of it, and God always comes back to me. You know, far be it for, from us that we're only people that are excited about God when everything's good in our life and everything's working in our life. We'll, we might enter into a time we'll never be excited about God then if that's the way our relationship with the Lord is. You know, that scripture I sent out this week, 
it says in, you know, in these days, the love, Jesus said this, the love of most, of most will grow cold. God, don't that scare you? Don't you think, oh, Lord, I don't want to be a most. Please don't let me be one of the most. I don't want to be consumed by this life out here. And it causes my love for you and my passion for you to die out in, inside of me. Please don't let me be the most. I could easily be the most. Easily. Apart from His grace and love. I'm not going to be a most. I've already decided that. I'm not one of those. You know, one way or the other, Lord, by Your grace and mercy, I'm not going to be a most. So, amen. Let's just stand up and I'm going to pray for you. Sure. Uh, this morning, I thought it was really interesting how the Lord was just pouring out this this love for us. I mean, wasn't it really evident just how much, I mean, in the worship it was, in, in the words that Steve gave it was, I mean, it was just really evident that the Lord was just kind of like almost wooing us to himself. And so in my mind, I just thought, well, that's neat that the Lord decided to do that this morning to, you know, like you, you ever wake up in the morning and you're just like have a lot of love, a lot more than maybe other mornings and you're feel, really feeling, you know, love. God's not that way, even though we think of him that way. First of all, he never gets up in the morning because he never sleeps and slumbers, right? So, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So it's, it's not that he woke up this morning and looked down at this church and just had this extra love for us and poured it out on us. What it was is that he's always that way toward us, but there was a reason, and this is what he dropped in my spirit, there was a reason why he gave us more of a glimpse into how much he loves us and woos us. And then as I was sitting there, I thought, it's because of this message that Byron had. This message that Byron had today, he went before this message with his love to woo us toward him, to him, so that we can better receive the message for a deeper relationship. Because we saw the heart of God toward us this morning.